We've all heard the cliches about how inspiration can strike at any moment. It's referenced constantly in television and books and almost every music biopic ever created. But of course, it's also true. Life is full of those profound moments. You just need to know where to look. This is Kingston Live, and today we're joined by an imaginative artist who draws inspiration from those unexpected places and turns them into something original. Raised in town, Lauren Carson is no stranger to Kingston's music world. She's been performing on stage since she was 12, getting her early start as a singer in a bluegrass band. And those roots can still be heard in her current music. But it's not just the music that makes her distinct. Lauren has a gift for lyrics, exposing the beauty and elegance in the mundane day-to-day world through her words. It's that talent that she brings to her debut EP, Earl Street, a collection of four richly produced songs, combining elements of contemporary pop and country flair into something distinctly her own. Welcome to the Kingston Live podcast studios. This is your first time here. It's my first time here in a long time. We haven't done a podcast in the studio like this in a long, long time. That's super exciting. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, It's cool. Meet new people and see new spaces. I'm really excited. Well, congratulations on your new EP, Earl Street, which is fantastic, by the way. You must be tremendously proud of this record, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's definitely, in terms of the writing and the connections I have to each of the songs, it definitely means the most to me. I owe so much of it, though, to like Matt Bates, you know, the producer, the recording studio, and the musicians I had on, because they thought of things that I, I never would have thought of, so they made it something bigger than what I could have imagined. But all in all, yeah, it's really exciting, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Tell me about some of the people involved in making the record. I mean, I think I heard strings on one of the songs. Yeah. So, so uh, is, this is not just Lauren on this record. Not at all. Not at all. So to begin with, yeah, all of the funky sounds in terms of the electronic beats and a lot of the cool bass lines and some piano, that's all Matt Bates. It was a lot of hours just in the studio being like, what if we just tried this? And there was, you know, a lot of, like, terrible noises, but some of them sounded really good. And then I have Danton on the cello. Uh, we actually, for Time Machine, his cello through a fuzz pedal. Um, and then we have a pedal steel guitar on Earl Street, which was my request. I, I you know, I was in a bluegrass band for, for five years. I, I adore the pedal steel like no other instrument. So um, it's so nice to have it on one of my songs, finally. You've released a few singles over the past three years, but I want to know how this record came together, considering we've just come through a pandemic and creative collaboration wasn't something that a lot of people were were doing. Yeah. Um, So all the songs, yeah, I wrote during the pandemic. I had the opportunity to play them live lots in the pockets of live music that I got over the last couple of years, kind of mid-lockdowns. And then eventually when everything opened up, I was like, you know, I am just about done school and I've 
paid for it, so I have some I have some money left over. I would really like to record these songs because they are exactly how I want them to be. And it's time to put out some more music. You're super busy. You've got lots going on in your life, and I'm not asking you to share it all. But <laughs> uh, it, it must have been challenging to bring this record together because you've been playing a lot live around Kingston lately. And, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on. And so, you know, how did you make the time to actually bring this thing together? It was a lot of scheduling around everything. Again, I'm really lucky with the studio because I would be, you know, in Toronto for a month and then I'd be like, okay, I'm back for two weeks. You know, what can we do? So it was late night sessions or like weekend midday sessions um, of several hours at a time. And so it took a few months to pull everything together. But I was really lucky that kind of everyone involved was super flexible and it kind of fit in when it fit in. I want to ask you about the concept and maybe the title of your new EP, Earl Street, mm-hmm. which is an actual road that runs through a residential part of, of downtown Kingston. But what, is, what does Earl Street mean to you? So during the pandemic, I subletted a room on Earl Street. It was on Earl and Barry, and the house was absolutely terrible. And everyone in it was a subletter. So I didn't really like know any of the people that I was in the house with. So I spent a lot of time like alone in my room, which I really liked it. I grew to really like that little room and just kind of walking around downtown. But it all grew from that, from kind of that feeling of the typical student life mixed with, you know, loneliness (laughs) and kind of just finding things that would probably be relatable to everyone. You're from Kingston originally, and... We've talked to lots of, of artists over our 45... This might be our 45th episode, I think. Wow. And some of them are from Kingston. Some of them aren't. But I wanted to ask your perspective. What What is it about Kingston that makes it such a great place for artists like yourself to make music? I think we owe a lot of it to kind of the connection of local businesses and musicians. There's so many kind of amazing, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners in the area who look locally first. So places like Daft and Spearhead and Skeleton Park, which I'm really lucky to have me back really frequently, like they're their own local entrepreneurs that are working really hard to create a business while finding the time to support, you know, musicians, which are just also local entrepreneurs. And finding the space, finding, you know, the money, whatever it has to be. So I think it all has to do with those personal connections and that desire to give back. We've got a great ecosystem and community here, right? It seems like yeah. um, it seems like all the artists here are very supportive of one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't get the sense that it's, like, you know, hyper-competitive or anything like that. No, Although, not like, at all. I'm sure everyone's kind of competing for stage time these days (laughs) yeah i guess so but also i think again post pandemic more places are doing live music than they ever had before you know there's recovery benefits obviously from some of the nonprofits focused on music that are helping these businesses out that want live music but yeah no i agree i think everyone's really kind everyone's excited to share the stage with one another i'm excited to collaborate which is really really nice did you find it difficult to get back up on stage after the lockdowns and things like that, you know, long periods where you were prevented from playing live. Was that uh, a difficult transition to get back up there? Or 
you seem so natural on stage. I've seen you play recently, <laughs> and it, I'm like, wow, she's just like so. I'd be te- I'd be terrified. This is why I do a podcast. Right. No, <laughs> I don't <laughs> don't have a big audience. It's just me and you in this room. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But you seem so comfortable up there, and I just I wanted to ask is. I sense what I'm seeing is the truth up there, but I just wanted to get yeah. uh, your take on it. There are some gigs that I find more nerve-wracking than others, but in general, you know, I played a lot of bars and things where people are like, you know, half paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so comfortable in in that environment because realistically, you know, if I play a wrong chord or say a long lyric, nobody's going to notice. And there are times when every, everyone is looking at me a lot, which I get really nervous, but I find in general I'm much more comfortable on stage, you know, with a microphone in front of me than I am, you know, in a, in a one-to-one conversation or like just playing for a few people at a time. You've been playing pretty frequently here mm-hmm. in Kingston uh, since the spring. Do you have a favorite place in town that you like to play? It kind of varies with the audience and the temperature sometimes, but... Anywhere right now in the summer, anywhere that is outside, I have a little bit of sun shelter so I don't get sunburnt. And my favorite ones are where there's like water nearby. If you can ever hear the waves crashing or just general outdoor sounds, the whole kind of ambiance is really nice and it's really relaxing and pleasant. What would be a dream gig for you? Where where would it be? You know, how big, small would it be? Who Who would you be sharing the stage with? Someone else actually asked me this question last month, and I kind of, it rotates in terms of people. I'm really excited to be sharing the stage with Savannah Shea this coming week, and she's definitely someone that I looked up to as as a younger musician when she was playing lots of gigs, kind of before I was ever gigging, but still kind of writing music. I would love, love to play at an outdoor festival, something like, you know, at the McKinnon Brothers Back to the Farm or, you know, in Gananoque, they have the Rib Fest where they have that stage as well. Somewhere that's like not huge, huge, but outdoors and people are happy and they're doing other things kind of <laughs> at the same time. But there are so many, so many local musicians in Kingston that I would be happy to, you know, share the stage with just about any of them. Well, your EP represents new music and you've been making music since you were 12 years old. Your first record was actually a bluegrass album. You mentioned that you were in a bluegrass band. Mm -hmm. You've obviously matured as a person and as an artist since then, but considering how challenging and isolating it's been for for artists like yourself over the past couple of years through the pandemic lockdowns, where do you feel you're at right now? I think it's been an interesting journey kind of Growing up in Kingston, yeah, I started in bluegrass, and then the natural place to go for young girls in Kingston is to country. You can think of any number of local, like, younger female musicians in Kingston, and most of them got that start at the Country Singing Showdown at the Fall Fair or various places like that. So that's kind of where I went immediately afterwards, and I adore country, but I don't, you know, write country music. So then for a while it was saying no to country music and kind of, I'm, you know, going to rebel against that. And finally, it's finding that space where, yeah, I have uh, kind of lots of country elements to my voice. I'm never going to kind of get rid of some of the the roles or the, you know, the general melodies where there is a way to kind of incorporate that into the music, more of the music that I like to play. How do you define the music that you like to play? I don't know. <laughs> I've been I've been having a really hard time with this one. I often ask people what their advice is because I'm very I'm not very familiar with 
categorizing genres of music. So I don't know. I think probably some some kind of alternative pop thing. But, you know, if anyone has any, <laughs> any suggestions on what kind of music I play, I would appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe we'll work on something <laughs> for you. Well, I saw you perform live recently as part of the Live Music Sunday Showcase at Finkelshore Park in mm-hmm. Bath, just west of Kingston. You cited singer-songwriter Phoebe Bridges as an, as an influence, I believe, and, yeah. and Holly Humberstone as well. Where are you finding your creative inspiration these days? With Phoebe Bridgers, she's someone that I kind of saw up and coming for a long time, and a lot of people were interested in her, but I didn't really start listening to her until she started coming on my like recommended for you Spotify playlists. And I listened to, I think, an acoustic version of Chinese Satellite, and I was like, oh, okay, holy smokes, this is really good music. She's not just some like random up and coming, <laughs> you know, artist. So. As this all settles down in terms of, you know, finally getting more music out, I'm excited to start writing songs again, but I'm not entirely sure what they will be about yet. <laughs> we'll see. Whatever happens next in my life, I guess. We should listen to one of your songs from your new EP. I'd like to share one. Would you like to pick one? Yeah, I think Earl Street, really, the the, you know, the most feedback I've got is that it's relatable and people can kind of visualize exactly what's happening or what the scene looks like. So I think that's probably the best one to share. Still won't flush 
Thank you for listening to Kingston Live. Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. For more great Kingston music, check out the Kingston Live playlist on Spotify. For show listings, artist info, and all things Kingston music, check out kingstonlive.ca. You can also hear our sister show, Kingston Live On Air, on Amherst Island Radio and CFRC. One interesting one, just like while I'm thinking about the EP, is um, the song She the Phoenix is mm-hmm. kind of my most um, kind of coded one, I guess, or the less, the least, you know, relatable. Um, but it actually just stemmed from like, I was sitting around a campfire with a bunch of my friends. I worked at Gould Lake Outdoor Center for a long time, so I have a bunch of outdoorsy friends. Um, we were sitting around a campfire, and one of my friends just goes, hey, you know, if you could just be a phoenix that meant if you jumped into the fire you could just start again like as a baby would you do it and everyone was like uh like probably not and then one one girl beside me was just like yes and just it was really um kind of awkward because everyone was like oh that's it's pretty sad but uh (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't really talk to her that much anymore but i like it kind of hope she hears it and is like it's okay to like want that you can do that in your own time and space. I think that's the only one that's the least kind of relatable, I guess, song that I have. But... That's cool that you wrote a song about that, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just so shocking in the moment. I actually want to go back to last year for a moment because you were on a show called The Shot, which is a Canadian national songwriting competition. And you were on it w- along with our country's top emerging songwriters. How was that experience for you? It was so fun. I hadn't had a lot of experience co-writing before, so it was so cool to kind of be forced for six hours a day for whatever, a few weekends, to have that amount of time to write a whole song with a group of people and record it. And we did it all over Zoom, and I think I would have preferred it in person because it's so, like, I'm not a very... um like loud person or I wouldn't generally in a group put myself out there as much so there are definitely moments where I I felt that I sh- should have been a little more involved in the process but that just means I you know I'd love to continue co-writing and you know I was lucky enough to get into the top like 11 which was super fun and I met so many people that you know I still follow on Instagram follow their stories um, and I'm excited to watch you know them all grow after getting to know them quite well. One of the things I particularly enjoy and find most interesting about your music is your ability to observe and expose the remarkable ordinariness of life. I don't know how else to put it, but songs like (laughs) Monday Morning Coffee and People Watching, your new song Earl Street kind of visualizes day-to-day life in your summer sublet. Even the song Julia opens with you watering your houseplant. (laughs) And you sing about these ordinary, highly relatable things so beautifully that I find your songs often push me to shift perspective. Are you 
conscious of the superpower of yours? <laughs> are you intentionally, uh, you know, um, doing that? Or are you just kind of finding inspiration in, in these everyday observations and working them into your lyrics kind of thing? I didn't really realize this until, yeah, again, the Matt, who I recorded with, he said, you find a way to make the ordinary moments special. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't really realize that. But I think a lot of that stems back from, I know, kind of years ago when I was really young, probably like, you know, 14, I took songwriting lessons with Michael George. And <laughs> I remember I, I tried to write a love song once and he's like, well, do you know anything about love? And I was like, no, I'm 14. So he was like, well, write, write a song about something you know about. So that's always kind of stuck with me. Like, there's a lot that I do not understand in the world, especially, you know, growing up, obviously I understand more and more. So I have to write things about my stories or other people's stories that I observe kind of in a normal way because that's what I understand. Like, it's like you're putting a different lens on, some, on you know, something that mm -hmm. just might be like you know, an everyday kind of a thing, but it's, it's yeah. really interesting. It also, I think, um, I think it makes me feel like I know you better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like you've let listeners in to your life and to your living space and to these intimate moments that you're having. Yeah. Um, at your EP release show that took place here in Kingston recently, you were also joined by local singer songwriter and past podcast guest of our Savannah Shea of whom we are big fans. Mm -hmm. And like yourself, Savannah is an emerging but established artist who performs regularly here in Kingston. Have the two of you been collaborating or working on anything together, or was she just a friend and good fit for your EP release show? Honestly, I had never spoken to her at all. I'd gone to some of her shows throughout the years. But as I was looking for someone to join me on stage at this concert... She was recommended to me by one of the people I have, like, in my band that will be playing with me on stage. And he was like, oh, well, you know, Savannah, it's kind of similar to your music. And she's, you know, obviously incredible. Her voice is totally something special. So then as soon as kind of that was brought up, it was, you know, an obvious choice. Like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, you know, I've always wanted to share the stage with someone like that. You mentioned that you don't write country music. Do you ever play it anymore? Do you ever play blue? Do you ever pick up? I don't know what instrument you played. In the... <laughs> I was just a singer in the just bluegrass band. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it. Yeah. <laughs> the jug or whatever. I don't Banjos, know what, what are typical instruments in a bluegrass band? I don't even know. Yeah, banjo, mandolin, <laughs> guitar. You know, bass. The spoons. Upright bass. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um. Yeah, I always wonder if, because uh, I'd read that in your bio a while ago, and I'm like, that'd be interesting to hear Lauren play some broom bluegrass one. Maybe she'll pull a banjo out on stage <laughs> one day and just, you know, get into something. Um, you mentioned that you're a student, yeah. and um, you don't actually have to disclose anything. I'm just absolutely oh, yeah. curious what you're studying. So I have a physics degree, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm in Teachers College right now, oh, cool. also at Queen's, so I'm, I'll be done at the, the end of the month. So you're going into a, a career as an educator? I have absolutely no idea <laughs> at this point. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to Asia for three months next week <laughs> from August to October to work. Uh, I have an internship at like a entrepreneurship school. But then after that, kind of, I get back in October and there's nothing planned, like zero. So 
at this point, I have a lot to figure out, but I'm kind of procrastinating and I'll figure everything out in October. Here at Kingston Live, we're always trying to keep our finger on the pulse of not just live music, but local music. Mm-hmm. You know, the bands and artists who reside and perform regularly here in Kingston, yourself being among those artists. I know that we were just discussing Savannah Shea a few minutes ago, but are there any local bands or artists who've caught your attention these days? Yeah, I mean, like every single show I go to is incredible. Obviously, Hinterwood. Um, I have some of the the people from that band backing me up and my EP release and Sadie's, you know, stage presence in general, just kind of like vibe is incredible. They're a great live show, as well as, you know, the recorded music has incredible, you know, lyrics and imagery as well. So, you know, any show that they're playing, I will absolutely be there. I feel like everyone in Kingston knows, you know, these people, but then also Frank Ryan, I've seen him a couple times and his voice is absolutely incredible, just totally a whole other dimension. And that's like alone, voice alone, let alone the guitar skills and like a great ability to play with other people. Gosh, like, yeah, the list can go on. Julia Finnegan obviously is kind of ramping up again. She put out songs uh, a while ago, but is, you know, playing live all over the place again. And she's absolutely incredible. You really can't go wrong. Like, I can't think of a Kingston musician that I would not like to see again. I think we're spoiled here. Yes, absolutely. It's funny. I was just telling my brother about Frank Ryan because he's playing tonight at the Toucan. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I have heard his recordings. I have not seen him play live. We've talked, actually. We've done some Zoom calls together and stuff like that. He's an incredibly nice guy. Mm-hmm. But I, everyone is like Julia Finnegan is incredibly nice. Yeah. Savannah's really awesome. Like, it's such a good community here. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that Julia may have some new music. That's you said that she just put out some new. Oh, she put out like a while ago. Yeah, that like record a year. was really good. Yeah, I listened to yeah. listen to the Wallflowers like every day. <laughs> It's, Probably. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've just released a new EP, Earl Street, and presumably it's kind of time to pause and take a breath, maybe enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. But where do you go from here? What's next for you? So, yeah, I'm going to live in Asia for three months. Hopefully the first thing I'll do when I get over there is, like, rent a guitar somewhere and try and find inspiration in those places kind of while I'm working and traveling around. I have... Some friends that I've spoken to about, you know, doing more shows with a band in the fall slash winter, maybe kind of focusing on Toronto as well as Kingston. Yeah, like starting to starting to plan some shows more in the, the winter area so I can kind of practice getting those live shows with a with a full band, um, making it a little more exciting. And then hopefully some more music. We'll see what happens. I feel like Earl Street. No, I know that Earl Street, your new EP, left me wanting more. So I do hope that there's more coming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We do have some stuff planned, for sure. Your EP release show that you played at Blue Martini uh, with Savannah Shea mm-hmm. on, the, on the same bill, you, you were also joined by a full band mm-hmm. on stage. And I know that you were telling us some of the people that were involved in the making of the Earl Street EP earlier but were they the same or different people that joined you on stage for your EP release? 
there's one the same. Danton was there um, on the cello. And then he graciously also picked up kind of lead guitar for the songs. He's incredible. He has, like, perfect pitch and can just kind of pick up anything, which is awesome. And then different, I have Josiah and Jonah from from Hinterwood. Actually, I went to, like, elementary school with Josiah, and I kind of just ran into him one day, and he was like, well, if you ever need kind of a rhythm section. So then several months I did reach out and be like, hey, I need a rhythm section. <laughs> so that worked out uh, really well. And I'm sure that your travels will fill your tank in terms of inspiration and, and songwriting material. Totally. What's that songwriting process like for you? Do you have a certain... You know, I, I sense that some musicians are fairly disciplined, like to go to a certain place at a certain time of day and, you know, do some songwriting and stuff like that. But what's what's the... Others sort of kind of freestyle it a little bit. And when inspiration hits, they jot it down but what's the process like for you it's definitely more kind of scattered I will always do the lyrics first because I think I'm much better at writing than I am at actual music um, in terms of finding like uh, the chords and the tune and everything so it will generally just be something random that catches my eye I know you know to be a better songwriter I should be trying to make myself write Every single day, you know, that's the advice that everyone gives. So I hope to kind of, yeah, discipline myself to do that more. And then if I pump out a bunch of terrible songs, it's fine. Because there'll be something, you know, in there that's good. But it generally is, like, something will just happen. And it'll be like, oh, that would be a, a good song. What do you hope that people take away from your music? I think it really is that regular things can be interesting And there is a sparkle in the ordinary. I love when songs can be relatable because it makes you feel kind of special. And I think not everyone can be extraordinary. And most people are not. But that's okay. (laughs) I guess that's it. It's, uh, It's fine to just kind of be ordinary and find solace in that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest on... I think it's episode 45 of the podcast and our first guest back in the Kingston Live podcast recording studio. Absolutely. It was fun. It was a pleasure to be here and definitely some thought-provoking questions. I'll, I'll definitely go home and be like, oh, I should have answered this or whatever. But uh. I can email you all these questions and then you can practice your responses in case anyone ever answers them go. again. There you go. And if you want to come back and do a redo of this, <laughs> we'll run it by John off here. No, and, uh, I'm sure this will no, be just I fine. think you did fine. It was, it was really good. Hey, where can people find you and your music online? So I do have a website. It's just laurencarsonmusic.com and as well as my Instagram, it's laurencarsonmusic.com. In terms of my songs, you can find them on any streaming platform, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. They are there. So you can check them out wherever you find your your tunes. This has been Kingston Live. We encourage you to rate us on your listening platform of choice and subscribe where possible. For show listings, artist info, and all things Kingston music, check out kingstonlive.ca. Kingston Live was produced in Kingston by Titan Sound. Hosted by Rob Howard. Voiceover and technical production by John Sanfilippo. Writing and research by Peter Sanfilippo. Executive producer Rob Howard. Kingston Live is a member of the Canadian Live Music Association. We'd love to hear from you. 
Email us at podcast at kingstonlive.ca. 